with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. It's another Saturday night, and, uh, you know, it is Suicide Prevention Month, and um, there's been a, a lot of things uh, going on on this month. There's always uh, situations that happen, and we just wanted to uh, put a show together to address um, a lot of the questions that, that um, come up on social media, and a lot of pastors and leaders and different people are talking about Uh, during this time and then you have my perspective of how i tour around the world and i'm in front of uh hundreds i'm in front of thousands of students but i come in front of hundreds of students and maybe even it could be like 20 per school that i'm at of kids that are contemplating suicide so i'm on the front lines and i'm trying to prevent it from happening Mm -hmm. he's dealing with the aftermath and then we have two stories from a female and a male that have been there and came through. So this show is going to be, it's it's going to be very um, informative, and we're going to go to the scriptures, and we're going to just beg and ask the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to show up here in a powerful way, mm-hmm. because this is a very, very touchy subject, and we don't. The last thing we do, we do want to do, is we don't want to offend anybody. Mm-hmm. We want to speak truth. And we want to do this all with love and compassion because we've all had friends and family members and we know someone that has committed suicide. Or we have people around us right now that are friends and family that are dealing with suicide. So as we get into this, we're going to talk about the different perspectives from um, there's there's people that are that are literally mentally ill that are. They don't know what they're doing, and they're they're in a, such a crazy place that they commit suicide. And then you have stories of of people that are just like, "I lost my job, my wife left me. What do I have to live for? I'm just going to commit suicide mm-hmm. and just end it because I don't want to deal with this this kind of pain." Then you have people that you have these stories of like a student that they're like, "Well, this guy was acting for nudes, which is like a, a sexting where you text a picture of your boobs or, or another." naked part of your body and then what happens is that guy gets it and then he runs around the school and shows everyone and then everyone's calling that girl a whore or slut or whatever it is and 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 now her reputation is ruined and she just can't bear it and she thinks there's no nothing else to do but to take her own life Mm -hmm. so there's all these different perspectives of why someone would commit suicide and what we're going to try our best we don't have all the answers we're going to try our best as a group of, of these are people that I, I love, I trust, they're filled with the Spirit, they love God, and we're going to do our best to kind of just walk through questions and these scenarios and just talk through it. And I pray to God that this will bring clarity to you guys that are watching that are dealing with depression, suicidal thoughts, or maybe you have friends and family that are going to need to see this, that you're going to need to share this uh, conversation with, and uh, we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna let it rip. And and the one thing you know that um, I do want to talk about is that there are uh, several uh, pastors, 
uh, with uh, uh, big platforms and 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 leaders and even just uh, Christians that are that are uh, posting stuff online or, or saying videos about and even leading services and saying that uh, when a Christian uh, commits suicide that they go to heaven and um, you know nowhere in the Bible do we see that it, the Bible is kind of a, a silent subject when it when it comes to these things and we are not first of all no pastor no leader me no one not the pope no one on this earth can say whether someone goes to heaven or hell when you commit suicide it's a 50-50 chance i mean when a, when a believer commits suicide it's a 50-50 chance and i say that because no one knows but God because God calls the shots. Now, you would say, Ryan, you know, do you believe that a believer goes to hell or does he go to heaven? I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not God. So as I was kind of – and this is the big question that's online that everyone is asking. And we're going to go through stories in the Bible before we – we're going we're gonna to unpack this whole – this whole thing. We're going to go through what the, what the Bible says about situations. Where's, where's suicide? And we're going to look at other verses as we get into this conversation of, of what God says and what the, the enemy says about this, this whole thing. But as I've been digging, because this is the big question that's online that everyone asks that no one has a clear answer. A video from Rave Zachariah. The title is called Dr. Rave Zachariah. Does suicide send you to hell? So I would definitely like to start this show um, with this clip, and then we're going to unpack stuff. So here's Rabbi Zachariah. Hi. Um, I go to a Catholic school, and what I've picked up from what I've heard about their beliefs is that they believe that those who commit suicide go directly to hell. What can you tell me about that? <clears throat> you know... This question has so many ramifications other than that. It goes into things like uh, uh, assisted, you know, suicide type thing where the machines are pulled off or living wills and all these things actually now are coming into play. The more machines we have and the more science grows, the more complex these decisions become and we are making more decisions of more rapid nature at a more rapid nature or more rapid, more dramatic implications. Let me just say this to you. I wish I had an absolute answer to give to you. I just say this. I wouldn't want to meet the Lord after I have taken my life. And the reason is, in Genesis 9-6, <clears throat> murder is called the ultimate attack upon the image of God. That's what murder is. You have violated the image of God. So if I violate the image of God in someone else, or I violate it in myself, it is the ultimate act of lack of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I would say I wouldn't want to meet him on those terms. I will also say this, that I cannot stand as a judge and tell the parent of an 18 or a 19 year old where life has been wasted like that, that that's the end and that that person is hellbound. That's not my prerogative in life. I would have to leave God as that judge 
and leave God to work for the peace of a family that has had to live through it. I would never want, I tried that once and I so, <clears throat> it took me years to even talk about it. I never talked about it to my parents afterwards. My wife spoke to my mother <clears throat> and my father and said, it is so embarrassing to Ravi to even discuss it. It's easier for me to discuss it from a platform than it is to talk one-on-one -on -one across a table. The fact that I tried to take my life is a devastating thought to me. The only consolation I have is that I didn't know Christ at that time. <clears throat> now that I know him, I will never ever violate the image of God that he's given to me. And I just pray that in pain or in struggle or whatever, in Romans 14, it tells you <clears throat> about eating food, about one day being more sacred to one than another. It gives you all of these things. <clears throat> and it tells you this, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What it really means is, if you violate a conviction that God has placed in your heart clearly, it's a sinful thing to do. So I would say <clears throat> what Francis Schaeffer says about the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. If you're ignoring the sovereignty, he says, that's what I will preach to you at that time. If you're ignoring responsibility, that's what I would preach to you at this time. If anybody is toying with the idea of taking their life, that's what I would say to them. Don't even think about it. It's the most sacred gift that God has given to you. Don't use your freedom to violate your freedom. The eternal destinies are in the hands of God. But the moment is for us to choose and select. Let us not violate what God has given to us as a sacred gift. It is a, it is a privilege that is entrusted. Trust him through the wildest twists and turns. When you finally meet with him, you'll find he sustained you the greatest in your darkest night of the soul. George VI was dying of cancer and he spoke to the world <clears throat> and he said this, I said to the man at the gate of the year, <clears throat> I said to the man at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may walk safely into the unknown. And he said to me, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. It shall be to you better than the light and safer than the known. Life is too precious. Don't squander it. Go out into the darkness. Put your hand into the hand of God. It shall be to you better than the light and safer than the known. The greatest triumphs are those who have survived the greatest darkness. In love's service, the wounded soldiers will serve best. So don't think of hurting your life. He will carry you through. That's what I would tell the young person. Eternity is in his hands, and I wouldn't want to risk it on that kind of ambiguity. Okay? God bless you. <clears throat> All right. So with that said, um, Wade, let's, let's start with you. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that you're obviously you're a pastor here, and, um, you know, when this subject came up for, you know, we're talking about the Suicide Prevention Month, you know, you, you definitely had a lot of things to say to me. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Ryan, it's, this is real. Mm -hmm. This is a real struggle with... with uh, leaders and people in the church and the more mm -hmm. people I've talked about because I actually made a phone call yesterday mm -hmm. to uh, several pastors mm -hmm. about um, you know what they're experiencing out there and this is a this is a big this is a big issue these yeah. days so it can't be overlooked at all but my guess my question is um, what was your experience uh, as you've as you've dealt with these things and what would you like to talk to people about that may yeah. be going through this I'd say off the bat, I think I, there's not a week that goes by that I don't deal with uh, a young person or someone in general that is contemplating suicide, 
has been affected by suicide or they themselves are, are dealing with some sort of depression. And I would say that the the, the redeemable the redeemable factor of all of it is I think me sitting in front of people right now mm. giving testimony of God's grace and God's mercy and God's power. So obviously, I think a lot of what I'm going to say is that <clears throat> the Lord allows us to go through things to minister to other people. I tell a lot of young people this, that we have the most depressed and suicidal generation walking the face of this earth ever right now. Mm-hmm. And should the Lord allow you to feel their affliction, perhaps it's so that you could receive the deliverance so that then you could go and minister that truth to that person. So the Lord has sought fit for you to suffer in that way uh, so you could be used by the Lord um, um, in that way. So for me, there's been three different uh, times in my life that I have dealt with, um, I would say, s- depression, severe depression. Um, only once was suicidal and um, uh, suicide suicide attempt. Um, but the other two times, that wasn't even a thought in my mind because I realized and I experienced the grace of God in the first time. So going through it the second two times, I was always able to draw my mind back to the truth of, okay, Lord, been here, done that. Mm-hmm. If this is my thorn to some degree, you've, you've delivered me in the past, you'll do it again. And so to have the ability to kind of live outside of your feelings mm-hmm. and outside of your emotions um, has given me the strength in the other two times I've gone through it. Um, also, with that said, and each time I've gone through it, the Lord has revealed the reality of my own weakness, uh, dealing with my pride, sin in my life, um, areas where I thought I was strong that I wasn't. And so I begin to realize that every time I go through a season of this, the Lord is intensely revealing to me the reality of my own weakness so that I can, in turn, learn of his strength, right? So this is this process of emptying me of me uh, to learn of his sufficiency. So um, the first time I went through it was um, I was raised in a Christian home, uh, for lack of better terms. I think it was like a Sunday Christian home, um, going to church on Sundays. Yeah, but so I had an, the knowledge of who God was and the, whole, the concept yeah. of the gospel. But but home was not uh, stable by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so for me, like the, the, the first time was when I, I played high school football, got football scholarships. Uh, but when that pursuit became very uh, empty to me, that's when I was like, oh, shoot. Well, like, what am I here for? If my ulti- I achieve my ultimate dream and it's not fulfilling, then what's my purpose in my life? the same time home was falling apart but i did always remember in the back of my mind hearing god had a plan for you god had a plan for you god has a plan for you and so i realized in that moment i remember being in san jose california living in a 500 square foot studio by myself and just being alone and i had a bible that my brother gave me and i was on my face before the lord and i'm like lord i don't want to live anymore but if you have a plan i want that and so I gave up a scholarship. I came back home into a very unstable living environment. Uh, and it didn't get better. It got worse. So now I come home in the middle of not knowing what to do with my life. And um, 
just extremely depressed and despondent, not knowing what to do, except the only thing that was keeping me was this truth that I heard that God has a plan for my life. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would go, I would come here as much as I could. And, to the church. And I would spend my time, honestly, just alone with my Bible in my room. So and I, go ahead. you basically killing the noise. Killing the noise. Yeah, you're, you're, for you're, sure. You're tuning out the stuff, the distractions. Yeah, and I'll say this is what I learned from the, that season was like I think uh, it's my personal opinion yeah. that a lot of the um, the increase in suicide and depression right now, it'd be interesting to see how much of that has increased due to the influx of social media, right? Mm-hmm. Because I forced, I, I was forced. Uh, social media wasn't a really big thing. This was like 2010 at that time, yeah. so it hadn't really blown up. Yeah. Um, so whenever I, the past two times I have gone through it, I know, dude, phone is off. Everything's away. I need to be alone with the word. I need truth. And so I've learned the the reality and the power of spiritual disciplines. And if you're not building those spiritual disciplines in your life, there is no, there is no hope in the midst of uh, depression and suicide because you're so in your emotions and you're so in your feelings that you have to be able to put your feelings aside and say, I feel this, but I believe this. Yeah. And if this is true, there's not, there is no recorded uh, uh, life outside of Judas in the, te- in the scriptures where the Lord, where someone came to the Lord, genuinely came to the Lord, and the Lord left them where they were at. He always touched their life. It might have been a prolonged period mm-hmm. of, of suffering, until the Lord, you look at the life of Job. I mean, the, the scripture is full of people who ask the Lord to take their life. From, from Elisha to, to Jonah to yeah. David to Job and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So this is a common battle, right? The Bible says that there's no temptation that has overtaken us that is not common to man. And what the enemy wants to do in the midst of depression is make you, f- two things, make you feel like you're all alone yep. and that it's never going to end. And so you make that drastic decision to take your life mm-hmm. because you can see no way out of it and you can't get outside of your emotions and your feelings. So when you're just – this is for, for people that don't deal with depression mm-hmm. but people that are like, – like maybe it's a parent listening or like a cousin or a friend. Like, so when you say you know, you're in this moment – you literally feel like you like it's never going to end. You're never going to yeah. be able to. Well, that's yeah, for sure. That's a lie. And I would say this to any parents. Because people, people, parents would say, well, "Just snap out of it." Or yeah, they, they, sure. like I'm trying to like let them understand, mm-hmm. and I want to understand mm-hmm. this as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just a, they they can't see. Yeah, I would say this like um, if you're a parent listening, you're a loved one listening. The best thing you can do yes. is say nothing and just be there. And pray because before I was like really solid in the Lord, and yeah. I would open to people and like fam- people that were close to me, and I'd tell them like how I felt or what I was feeling. And they, they say, "You, that. you know what? I oh, I know how you feel. I want to punch them in the mouth." Yeah, I'm like, yeah because you don't know what I feel, yeah. even though they may. But in your mind, oh. nobody knows what I feel, right? And so even in like as I've gone through it in the past, where like people giving you scripture and things of that nature, you're like, "Yeah, I know that." You know the scripture. Yeah. I know. I know that. I teach that, but I'm still experiencing this, 
And so I would say this in, in, in the book of Job, like Job was surrounded by these guys that had a lot of really good things to say. A lot of it was truth and a lot of it was really good things to say. But at the end of the book, the Lord rebuked them. They were all wrong. But there was one man for 33 chapters that sat by and said nothing and just sat with Job. His name was Eliphaz, sat by Job, and he didn't speak until the Lord told him to speak. And then God spoke to Job, and everything changed. And so I would say if you're a friend, if you're a family member, let that person know that you are just there. Like, I'm physically here. My heart is with you. I don't know what to say, but I love you, and I'm here for you. And if you want to hear truth, let's talk about it. But you know I got your back. With that said, I want to go back to something that you said. You talked about pride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What suicide is, is there's, there's pride involved? Yeah, so this is a very, I, I've talked to Sean off air with it, about this. Um, and this is a very, I think there's a depth of like, the last, let me preface this by what I'm about to say. Like I wouldn't, if a kid was coming up to me yeah. struggling with depression yeah. and suicidal thoughts, I would never, ever tell him, oh, you're just being prideful. Yes, I would course. never say that, yeah. right? But it is a deeper, like, spiritual truth and understanding of Scripture that a lot of um, uh, battles with depression has to do with self, mm-hmm. right? Um, you look at Elisha. I think when you're talking about depression, a lot of pastors, a lot of Bible teachers are going to bring you to the story of Elisha in First Kings 19 mm-hmm. when he had the greatest victory and like fire falls from heaven in the previous chapter. He's slain all the prophets of Baal, a gnarly victory. And yet the ne- this is a man that's standing in front of Ahab and Jezebel and all the leaders at that time, the false prophets, and has zero fear in him. And then he hears Jezebel's going to kill him and he begins to run. Um, and he was trying to preserve self. So why was this man so able to stand before so many people in one chapter? And one chapter later, one lady is trying to kill him, mm-hmm. and he runs for his life because it's the awareness of weakness, right? There's a in the Proverbs today, Proverbs or excuse me, in Proverbs 12, it says, "Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression," and that word anxiety means fear or concern for your own life and so what i've learned in the midst of depression is like i i feel because of some insufficiency in myself or something that i don't have control over that this situation is irreparable and what you do in that is you're not exercising faith in god you're not exercising hope in god you're the lord is a lot of times in in my weakness and my depression and despondency at times the lord's like the the lord deals really roughly with me sometimes and he reveals to me my he lets me feel my weakness and i want i and i'm and i don't talk about it to a lot of people because in my mind i want people to think that i have it all together Mm -hmm. that i that i'm strong right (laughs) and the fear of like someone like oh pastor guy bible teacher and like like husband and father and friend. And I think like, I I think of people that have a a spouse, like in a marriage that struggles with this, like no spouse wants to feel that they're unable to meet their spouse's needs. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're aware of your weakness. Mm -hmm. And so pride rises up and it doesn't allow you to say, no, I'm not this. No, you are that. 
<laughs> and the Lord is trying to teach you that, like, there's power in, like, learning to stand in the strength of the Lord and his sufficiency of his grace. And, and so there's a lot of things that the Lord wants to teach you about himself when he's revealing to you who you're not, is all I'm saying. And um, humility. The Bible says if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, that he will lift you up in due time. And so allow the cross to have its work in you. Allow this, the, the suffering to kill self is what the Lord is trying to do. He's trying to show you the insufficiency of you mm-hmm. so that you can learn the sufficiency of Christ because God wants to use your life so that you can deliver the truth of that sufficiency to someone else who's going through what you were just going through. Mm-hmm. That's well, well said. Let's talk with uh, Christina now. Unless, do you want to add anything? No, I, we'll come back around. Yeah, we're going to gonna keep... We got, we got plenty of time. So... Christina, your perspective from what you went through with suicide. Yeah. You went through you went through a cu- you went through this a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go start from the first time to the second time. Yeah, so I grew up um I kind of wanted to share a little bit about you know yeah. how I went through it, you know, as a young girl up until even last year. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a young girl, I grew up with a lot of, you know, rape and trauma in my life and dealt with depression at a very young age. First time I was suicidal was middle school, you know, it was 5150, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Which means you're mentally insane and they, yes. put you in, they lock you up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I grew up going to Harvest, you know, and so I remember a pastor came and visited me in the hospital and just really reminded me, you know, I remember being 16 years old, you know, that was... Um, and being hospitalized and him just reminding me so much of, of the Lord's love for me. Mm. Cause at the time, you know, I was dealing with depression, eating disorders. Um, I was dealing with flashbacks of my rape. And so I, and you know, even just being 16 and in high school, you know, yeah. just mm. the, the pressures right of, you know, sports and AP classes and college and, Um, I was a good student, you know, um, had really good grades, came from, you know, my mom's Indian. And so, like, there's there's just, like, a high expectation of, you know, succeeding, you know, and and being successful. And so um, being someone, you know, at 16 years old in a hospital and this pastor just reminded me in my darkest hour of the Lord's love for me, you know, as his child that he saw me when I felt like no one else saw me, that he loved me when I felt like no one else did. And I remember being 18 years old and I was a senior in high school and it was, you know, going into my senior year, I said, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it through college. You know, I barely made it through high school. I had failed rehab. And I remember getting on my knees one night before the Lord. And I said, Lord, I have battled through anorexia and bulimia. I passed out, you know, in the bathroom. Um, I was cutting myself at that time. I was so oppressed, you know, by the enemy. And there was a night, you know, just like Wade, you know, that I just got on my knees before the Lord. And I said, Lord, I love you, but this is too hard. And um, it was like September, October of my senior year of high school. And in that moment, I felt just a radical peace from the Lord that Mm. I had never felt before, even at youth camp, you know, I grew up going to youth camps and all that stuff. 
and it was a piece from the Lord. You know that story in the Bible of a woman, you know, who had the issue of blood, mm. who reached out and touched the hem of Jesus's garment. It said power went out from him, and she was healed. And that night when I really pressed into the Lord and said, Lord, I need you. Like, I don't know how this whole thing works, you know, but I need you because I want to end my life tonight. I encountered the Lord through his spirit and he radically healed me of my eating disorders Mm. and he took away my suicidal thoughts. And, um, from that perspective, you know, of going forward, I really believed the Lord, not only from what I read about him in scripture, but I, but just like how the woman at the well, you know, when she had encountered Jesus, she went out in the village and said, you know, come and meet a man who told me everything mm-hmm. about me, you know, because she hadn't went, she had come face to face with Jesus of Nazareth. And I felt like that night, you know, I came face to face with my healer, you know, and I just fell in love with the Lord in a deeper way. And from that fo- point forward, you know, it led um, going into to college and you know, it brought me into a full-time career in the modeling industry, you know, just really wanting to help girls, you know, who are dealing with eating disorders and mm. stuff. Which is massive. Yeah, which yeah. is the massive. depression, suicide, and, yeah. and eating disorder. That, yeah. I mean, that's like happening big time in the yeah. culture right now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the night that the Lord restored my life, I just said, God, when I read about you in the Gospels mm. and I read about how you loved people – and, I read, and when I read about how messy you got, like, I want to roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty and help kids and people and women, you know, who are dealing with these things. And so for about 10 years, you know, I was in full-time ministry, you know, traveling, speaking, um, modeling, doing all of these things. And More live with Ryan Race coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now. 1-888-564-6173 or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop de doo Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. Loud noises! For about 10 years, you know, I was in full-time ministry, you know, traveling, speaking, um, modeling, doing all of these things. And, um, and I was dealing with a lot of, and I was helping kids who were, you know, human trafficking, Mm -hmm. trauma, you know, helping pastors. I was putting on Mm -hmm. purity conferences. I was dealing with all of the issues that no one else wanted to deal with, with their kids, Mm -hmm. you know, because I just said, God, I just want to be a voice to help people process through these things. And, over the last three years, um, there was a lot of trauma that was happening in my home with my family and stuff we were navigating through. Ministry was getting really heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, at the beginning of last year, I started dealing with panic attacks mm-hmm. because um, ministry had gotten really crazy, you know, and people were always blowing up my phone, you know, emails, calls. Um, always going, driving to churches, counseling girls, doing hospital visits, you know, because so many, this stuff was starting to become prevalent, you know, and, um, and I never took the stance of I'm here to save anyone. I just wanted to be a resource and I wanted to be available. And I would go and do ministry and it was a war zone and I would come home and it was a war zone. And last year, um, a church that I was going to at the time ended up shutting down through a series of events and 
I felt very abandoned by God. I felt very alone. I felt very like, God, where are you? And I ended up kind of being adopted into another ministry environment. I won't get into too many details of that, but that ministry environment was very spiritually abusive. It was in a different state. And um, last year I was I would come and do ministry here and go back to this environment and do ministry. And I was going back and forth. And I remember last year it was – I had flown down from this place. I did a TED Talk in California, you know, and I went back up there. Yep. And I remember – having a nervous breakdown one day um i was working in one of the different areas that um this ministry had and i remember feeling so alone i was in a bathroom you know and i felt like i was losing my mind and the the thoughts going through my mind are christina no one loves you because if they love you if they, they would have been here for you Christina, if your old leaders truly cared about you, they would have followed up with you. Christina, if God loves you, then why would um, you have been raped? You know, just like all of these things. Mm-hmm. that, And I think it was literally just like a volcano inside of me that was happening for so long and not having a stable place. It just was escalating and escalating and escalating. And I had a moment where the pain was so great, you know, being a leader in church, feeling like I had to have it all together for people, feeling like I had to wear a mask of I'm okay. And I had been honest with people about my struggles with anxiety and panic attacks, you know, escalating. And I had a moment where the pain was so great, you know, being a leader in church, feeling like I had to have it all together for people, feeling like I had to wear a mask of I'm okay. And I had been honest with people about my struggles with anxiety and panic attacks, you know, and people were just like, oh, we'll pray for you. And they would give me the cliche of God's grace is enough. Mm-hmm. But I think what I really wanted was, was were people that were just like Christina, like, let me just sit with you. Let me just love you. Let me walk you through a season where we can just let God restore your heart. And that night, sorry, excuse me, that day, I remember being in the bathroom and there was just these thoughts in my mind of just, I had a six hour shift of where I was working at this specific ministry place and no one was walking in and out of where I was. I just was, you know, working on my own and just these thoughts of you can walk to the corner store, get a bunch of pills and end it because who would care? And I remember literally two days before I stood on the biggest platform of my life. Mm-hmm. giving a TED talk, talking about hope, talking about what God has done in my life. But two days later, I was so deep in the lies of the enemy about my worth, about my identity. And that, and in those moments, the enemy will often use um, things that seem to be true. See, Christina, this person abandoned you. See, these people weren't here for you. See, these people didn't follow up with you. And these things that are really lies seem so true and they, they, they feel like a reality. And because Satan is the ultimate deceiver, the father of lies. Yeah. And he is. And I remember literally like in that moment, just curling up in a fetal position and I, and I heard the Lord cry out to me, you know, just, I love you. You know, I felt the presence of the Lord and I just, I just felt like the Lord was like, Christina, call Erica. 
And my, my friend Erica was, you know, is a sister to me. And she is someone that I think we all need in our life, whether you're a leader in church or you're a husband or a wife or a daughter or a friend, you need to have someone that you can call um, where you can trust them with your crazy, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. where you can call them in those moments yeah. where, where they love you for you, that even in a moment where you are wanting to overdose on a bunch of pills, where they just talk you down and they talk you through and they lead you to the feet of Jesus. And when I called my friend, you know, she picked right up and I said, this is where I'm at right now. And she just talked me through. We prayed. And when she prayed for me, she took authority over those lies Mm -hmm. that the enemy was feeding me. She said, in Jesus' name, you know, I command every suicidal thought, every thought of destruction, you know, to leave in the name of Jesus. And she began to speak truth to me that was found in God's word of who I was in Christ. And it literally was like she took my hand. She led me to the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. And she reminded me through scripture of who God said that I was. And from that point, you know, I went into a a time where I killed the noise, took a season away from ministry, Mm -hmm. you know, and modeling. um, Because I believe that these things in my life that I needed healing from, you know, whether it was like rape, family stuff, um, the spiritually abusive environment that I was in, it takes time that there are moments like I had with the Lord, like Wade had with the Lord, where you encounter the Lord and the Lord says, okay, like you are now in an ICU unit. We're going to bring healing to your life. Then we're going to move you to a, a normal unit, you know, where you can learn how to walk again and then you can learn how to run again. And it's been almost a year where God literally rehabbed my heart and I had amazing people in my life. I was at pastor, uh, Danny Hodges's church at Calvary Bible fellowship, you know, that was there for three months and God just loved me. The church family there loved me. And I had people in my life that literally said like, we want to love you for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even these last, um, you know, th- these last couple months, I had to walk through another situation like I did last year of, of a ministry that I was a part of that completely crumbled to the ground and where I had people in my life once again that I had looked up to that had a very, that had let me down. Mm-hmm. And I know that so many people ask the question, well, if they let me down, And if they couldn't make it, then why should I keep going? And so many, and I remember asking myself as I'm sitting and I'm, and I'm sitting with a lot of kids that were affected by this fall, you know, of this ministry and the abuse that happened. And so many of them are dealing with suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, these people let me down. Why can't I just go and cut myself? Why can't I just go and drink? Why can't I just go and do these things? And Within the, a period of 12 months, I had very key people in my life that let me down in a very big way. Mm-hmm. And even through these last couple months, as I went to Florida to kill the noise a couple weeks ago to heal from the abuse that, was, that I experienced in this ministry, I, when it happened this time, I said, Lord, my eyes are not on man, they're on you. Right. And just because... Um, something happens in my life it does not give me the license or the freedom to go and say i'm going to take my life Mm -hmm. and oftentimes when people experience trauma or maybe someone that they looked up to in their life might have committed suicide or is drinking or has fallen they say well 
if they're doing it, then maybe I could just kill myself yep. and then maybe I'll go to heaven and that could be my ticket out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Ryan, maybe that's something that you guys could talk about, you know, is just when, when people in our lives fail us. And that's one thing that I learned through this whole thing. You know, I, I met with pastor Don McClure earlier on this week, you know, as he's counseled me through a lot of this process of what I recently walked through. And he, he brought me back to the story of Joseph and how, when Joseph was taken from, when he was, when Joseph was betrayed and abandoned by his brothers, sold into Potiphar's house, when he was falsely accused and thrown in jail and at the end of his, and then got brought into Pharaoh's house at the end of his life, when Jacob died, um, you know, Joseph's brothers came to him and they were like, well, are you going to deal with this now? And he said, I hold nothing against you because God used everything that I have gone through for his glory. And Pastor Don reminded me of that. And he said, Christina, God allowed you to walk through what you just did so you could help bring hope and healing to others. And it was crazy because that day in my Bible study with the Lord, I had just finished the book of Genesis. And Mm -hmm. here it is. Pastor Don is quoting that. And I believe that there are times in our life that just like me, that God allowed me and Wade Mm -hmm. to go Mm -hmm. through suicide. And looking back to last year, I said, God, why did I have to go through this once again, because even now, you know, after counseling, after so much love from the body of Christ, after killing the noise for months, I feel healthy, whole, and free. And after coming out with my story, there has been so many leaders that I know of, pastors, You're, pastors' wives. Yesterday, you posted something on social yeah. media of your story. Yeah. And since that, there was like a ripple effect of you being yeah. transparent of your struggles. Yeah. Now pastors and leaders have been contacting you. Yeah, yeah, and people just saying, me too. And I remember Pastor Don saying, Christina, one of the most powerful things that you have as a believer is empathy because you are able to say, I know what that's like. But I think more than what I, what my struggle has been or what Wade's struggle has been, what I love about the Lord is as it says in Hebrews 4 chapter 15 it says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin and what I love about the Lord is that on the cross he felt the suicidal thoughts he felt the despair he felt the abandonment he felt the hopelessness and the loneliness but he overcame he overcame and so for kids to say well since this person committed suicide there's obviously no hope for them what hope is there for me no you shouldn't be looking up to that person i shouldn't have been looking to my old leaders i my eyes have to always be on the lord so even if they fall Even if someone falls by suicide, by abuse, by alcoholism, the Lord doesn't fall, the Lord doesn't fail, and the cross has stood across for the past 2,000 years. And the Lord knows what you're going through, and he not only knows it, but he has been victorious over it through through the resurrection of the cross. And so... With everything that both um, Wade and Christina have talked about, I think a lot of things have gone through my mind. Um, you just said it right now, Ryan, and I wrote down, God's not against us, but there's lessons through the darkness. David says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David learned that. David went through pain. He went through bouts of loneliness. He went through bouts where, um, people did come against him, um, 
where he had these promises of God, but he wasn't seeing them fulfilled. And he was by himself, a lot of testings. One thing that I've said to a lot of people, and these are things that I've learned in my own personal life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for me, I, I feel like I led to sh- share this just a briefly. I grew up differently. Um, some similarities. I grew up with a family that cared for me, loved me. One thing I battled with, I was sick a lot. I missed so much school from the time I was in third grade to seventh grade. I hated school because every time I would get sick and I was hospitalized, you'd always feel out of the loop when you got back to school. Yeah. I was out of school for a month at times. In seventh grade, I had to quit like just in the quarter, so I had a home tutor. I was angry a lot. I was put on medication when I was in seventh grade because my parents didn't know how to deal with me because of anger bouts that I dealt with. I had said thoughts of like, I didn't want to live anymore. I don't know if that, it never came to a place where I would try to take my life. Mm. The things that were important to me, sports, all my trophies, I broke all my trophies. I just, I felt angry all the time. And I think, I remember when I was getting in the eighth grade, my doctor had said, whatever you do, when you, because I have a lot of health issues, yeah. don't ever smoke. <laughs> don't ever smoke. Don't ever do drugs. And obviously my life went completely opposite. And I remember going through the 20s in our party life, and there was always something in the back of my mind like I was living on borrowed time. I always had this mentality that I was going to die young. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just kind of like, and it kind of uh, backed up with our lifestyle that yeah. we grew up with, yeah. partying, a lot of drugs yeah. and alcohol. You yeah. know, one of these days I'm just going to do too much and I'm not going to be alive. Yep. But as years go by, I'm 27. I had already seen multiple friends commit suicide. I had already seen multiple friends die of drug overdoses and different accidents that were there. But I was still alive, and sometimes I felt like, why? Um, and for me, when I came to the end of myself and Christ came into my life, I, I would truly say this, like, I don't want to live no more. I wasn't going to take my life, but I don't want to live no more. And it's because of this pressure, this spiritual warfare that we've all faced at different levels that I can't see light at the end of the tunnel. I don't see this working out. I failed at this. I failed at that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm over this party life. I'm, I'm over like waking up on Monday morning, spending all my money and having hangovers and just living in jacked up relationships. I'm over that, mm-hmm. but I don't know the way out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have said this now dealing with people on this aspect. I've been now I've been a pastor for 15 years. I had a dramatic conversion coming <clears throat> to the Lord. But I've said this often. Satan wants you to get overwhelmed with temporary circumstances. Mm-hmm. He wants you to look at the now get focused on the now. Because when you do that, you don't see any light. You don't see that it's going to work out. You know, both of Christina and Wade's stories, there's a lot of things. I'm, I would venture to say, I know Wade's very smart, very intelligent. I'm sure Christina is too. When we go, I think I've heard her story before, just with education and everything. You bring up the aspect of Indian. You know, Ravi Zacharias, when he talked earlier about his, that testimony, he was 17 years old. Uh, wanting to commit suicide and what his battle was was he is from the Indian culture that's very smart very intelligent but he hated school and so he was looked down upon and he felt like an outcast and he wanted his life to end sometimes there's those that you're very smart you're very intelligent and sometimes the enemy takes advantage of your thoughts and you know what when you yeah, is it a safe to say that Satan is the king of mind games yeah, yeah. for sure and that's why the Bible says no, it's to bring, the mind yeah the Bible says to bring every thought in subjection to the obedience of Christ, man. Yes. Because he does. He wants to play tricks 
with your mind. He wants to overwhelm you. Well, I think one thing to note when we're talking about suicide is it hits every culture across the world. Um, the Asian community battles with it. My brother's a fireman. He's a captain. And one of the biggest, um, uh, the, the highness of suicide rates is a lot of times with the Asian culture. Because if they aren't successful, yeah, it's the they don't do well in education, oh man, they fail, they lose their job, it, it, it's heavy. Did you know in Japan they have the suicide force? Yeah. I've heard of that. You can yeah. look it up. Uh, Vice magazine did it, and it's a suicide force, which were a place where many people go out there mm. to to commit suicide. It's a serious, yeah, um, and, you know, heavy in that culture. Every age, young people. We're talking about some of the struggles that uh, you know Wade and Christina had when they were younger, and then Christina just opened up of what the pressure she dealt with in doing leadership and doing ministry. Um, you so you have that the young people that battle with it, and we, we're aware of people that when we were younger committed suicide. I'm yeah. sure both of these guys, the same thing. Sometimes it happens when you're older. Hmm. I, I think of it happens to successful people. You know, I remember NXS, how much we loved NXS back in the day, the band. That guy committed suicide later. Like his height of NXS fame was in the early late eighties, yeah. early nineties. Yeah. But he committed suicide like in the 2000s, like out of that spotlight, out of that fame. Um, you think of Kurt Cobain, one of the biggest band at that time in the early 90s, mm-hmm. committed suicide. I don't know how many of you guys know this. I love old soul music. So uh, Soul Train, a big old, uh, huge show. The Don Cornelius committed suicide at 80-some years old, yeah. totally out of the spotlight. There is this battle that people face. We talk about the military. 22, it is estimated that there are 22 suicides a month due to those that have come from the military because of combat, because of traumatic experiences, by being overwhelmed by these thoughts and everything that they have experienced in their Mm -hmm. life, thinking that there is no way out. And so I think it's important to discuss these topics Mm -hmm. because, once again, Satan wants you to feel like you're all alone. You can be poor, you can be rich, you can be successful, you can be from here in the United States of America or Australia or whatever, but this battle that the enemy, the enemy, you, you mentioned it, and I think that is the key verse, that Satan has come to seek to kill and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and not more abundantly. He wants to rip you off. And now either we believe that or we don't. Either the gospel is powerful and real. And that's what I signed up for when I became a Christian. I believe that Jesus has come to give life abundantly. And whoever the Son of God sets free is free indeed. And when you read through the scriptures of the Bible, it's stories of people that went. We've talked about several of the stories of people going through a hard time. Mm -hmm. But God always showed up and got them through. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's the power of of the gospel. Yeah. We can't we can't minimize that that God can't take control because that's what that's who He says He is. Yeah. yeah, He does that. Either He doesn't or or He doesn't. And if mm-hmm. He doesn't do what He says He does in the Scripture, then what the heck are we even doing here? Talking Sat- about this, Satan's a liar. Yeah, Satan's a liar. So he would want you. To cut your life short. Yeah. He wants you to get overwhelmed and take things into your own hand. But what we have in the Bible and the scripture, you brought it up. The only instance that you have of, of suicide in the Bible is that uh, of Judas. And it's a negative aspect, right? Um, you also have Jesus when he's tempted in the wilderness where one of the temptations of Jesus was, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from this mount. 
That, that, I didn't even think about that one. Yeah. Because there you and go. what does Jesus say? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Oh, you know, if God's with you, he'll save you or he'll, he'll heal you or he'll go before you. But the enemy wants you to lie. Jesus combated it with the word of God. That is, dude, I never even thought about that. No, that yeah. Yeah, Do not that's tempt them. He'll save you. Yeah. Tempt mm-hmm. them to save you. Yeah. In the situation to jump off, a, jump off the... I, I think why is it's going, things are becoming so prevalent too, prevalent is um, what Wade was saying earlier, but all of us can agree. The social media aspect is definitely an influence. And I think more so this is why is because sometimes it can portray something that's not real. Because as leaders, too, as pastors, leaders, you mentioned it, Christina, you do bear the weight of a lot of stuff. You're taking in a lot of people's pain, their sorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, you're praying for them. You're burdened all the time. You know, you get overwhelmed. Now, if you think that you can bear that strength on your own, oh, man, it's going to weigh you down hard. Mm -hmm. There's something in simplicity that's very important. We have to realize that we're weak. Hmm. We're weak. People might perceive you as being this, oh, this legit Bible teacher hmm. or this guy that does the radio hmm. or these opportunities. But in reality, dude, you're just a sinner saved by grace. So that's am right. I. Yep. I. I got a lot of, if, if I'm honest, like I have a lot of, I have bad days. Yeah. I have the pressures of being a husband and, and being a father uh, you know, you go through financial difficulties at time. You go through pressures, physical issues. You know, all of these things. If I try to deal with it in my own strength, it gets overwhelming. And guess what? We're not alone. Mm-hmm. Me and Wade had this conversation. Maybe, maybe Wade can speak about this a little bit when it comes to, like, leadership, when it comes to pastors or leaders, because Charles Spurgeon, which is looked at as one of, like, the, the grandfathers of, like, the faith, he was a man that was used powerfully. And it has been noted that he had, had bouts or struggled with depression at various aspects. And he mentioned something that, you tell me Wade, what kind of stood out to you. But one thing he talked about was, you know, you're, called, you're studying, you're, you're doing all of this, and you're doing ministry, and you're bearing this weight. And sometimes the solution is like, hey, go for a walk. Yeah. You know, go decompress. And actually, him saying that, which is like in the 1800s, it's true. Like, think about when you turn everything off and you, like, just go to the park, you know, with your family and you just hang out. Like, it's like it starts decompressing you. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of these pressures that we battle with that the enemy, like I said, wants to overwhelm us. Tune in next week for for the next show. We're going to continue to talk about um, this is Suicide Prevention Month. We're going we're gonna to press in more. We're going to keep digging into the scriptures. We're going to see what the Bible says. And we're going to keep unpacking this because there's just so much there. Um, if you haven't downloaded the Whosoever's app, please uh, just go to the App Store. Download it. It's free. It has all the past radio shows. I have Christina on the air today. She has a couple different shows on here. I've had Wade on before. Sean McKeon is, is always on here. Plenty of content talking about all the subjects and the things that aren't necessarily talked about in the church, um, they're here on the show. And as we go in and we unpack them the best we can with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and God here with the scriptures, this is why we do that stuff. We're touring the high schools. Please uh, continue. Pray for us that God will open doors 
And uh, we love you guys, and we just thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next week as we continue the topic on Suicide Prevention Month. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.